0: The moment you've been waiting for is almost here. Football is around the corner. And you can start the season by winning $2 million in Week 1 at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. That's it. Why wait till the end of the season to get paid when you can win huge prizes every week? You can get started playing right now. Prepare for the regular season with preseason contests running through August. You've already been scouting players for your season-long fantasy team? Put that knowledge to the test every week this football season at DraftKings.com, where you can turn your love of football into a lifetime of cash. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use the promo code RODEN, R-H-O-D-E-N, to play for a free shot at $2 million in the Week 1 Millionaire Maker. Enter RODEN for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com, that's DraftKings.com. Welcome to Bill Roden on Sports. Taking you inside clubhouses, locker rooms, and boardrooms. Legendary sports columnist Bill Roden gets inside the heads and beneath the veneer of the men and women who play and own the games we love.
1: Hey everyone, this is Bill Roden, Bill Roden on Sports. Uh Hey, Jamal. Hey, Brian. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? And I'm really honored and really pleased to have the wonderful, the truly wonderful Candace Wiggins on the show. Uh, Really, really, yeah, this is really, really, really special. It's funny, as long as you've been, I mean, you are like a legend. You are a legend at Stanford. Great, what, (laughs) three-time (laughs) All-American? Four-time. Four-time. Four-time All-American at Stanford. Big deal. Four-time All-American at Stanford. Uh, And we just met, though. We, yeah. literally, we literally mm-hmm. just met, and I must tell you um, that that meeting was so, um, you know, we met in the locker room, we met after after, after a game, I think it was, uh, it was open. it wasn't opening day, was it?
2: No, that game was our, Who were we playing? You beat, you
1: beat, you beat them up, it was a great game. Yeah,
2: it was And you Connecticut, you, no, San Antonio? No, no, it wasn't Connecticut. It San was Antonio. San Antonio. That's what it
1: was. Yeah, but, but um, we connected, yeah. and we never connected before. And I was, you know, think I think you know, I'd get a couple minutes. And actually we ended up having a great conversation, a great conversation about uh, the book, Before mm-hmm. Made Our Slaves, yep. about, uh, which was very, you know, when I was telling you there, it meant so much to me to have, particularly a young person, you know, A, that they read the book. <laughs> but also, but also had, you, you were telling me some things about the impact that I really hadn't even, Really thought about, and just as um, as any author, you know, you want to, you want to make a uh, an impact, and so I just wanted to let you know again that it, it was great meeting you, but I was very deeply appreciative of sort of uh, giving me encouragement and sense that you know just hope. So anyway, thank you. And, uh, Absolutely. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you.
2: And just want to this, wanna say thank you for extending this invitation. It's an honor and a privilege to be here right now. So oh, thank you.
1: Man, so this is like mutual. We just keep yeah. doing this yeah, for so like it's another It's a love festival. Yeah. Fest, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, but you know, one of the things, the, the first thing is that the Liberty in first place. I mean, oh, I think yes. that's, the, that's yeah. the big news. New York Liberty in first place. And you guys are playing great. I mean, Absolutely. you guys are playing really, really well. What happened? I mean, what? I mean, it's not, you know, you, you never were not playing well. The season you weren't, you never were not playing well. But what's happened? You guys seem like you've kicked it to another gear.
2: Well, I think when you look at our season this year, you have to start with the off season from starting from free agency time, mm-hmm. and you know because last year they they weren't they didn't even make the playoffs. You know they had the talent there, maybe the pieces, but couldn't put it together. I would say that you know the front office, uh, specifically Kristen Bernard, they really worked hard on getting the right team together. And it, it really, they did their work early, mm-hmm. you know, and I think um, just making the, the right, signing the right aid, uh, free agents. Um, I was, you know, one of them, I was very honored, and you could tell that they had a different approach. So it starts there, and then, you know, to get the right ingredients. But then, I you know, there's chemistry. You mm-hmm. know, there's it's, it's very rare in professional sports when you get people, you know, how, how they're gonna respond to each other, how we're gonna play together, and we just really have bought into this new culture that we're building and this new identity. And you know, and then you have to give a life to give a lot of credit to Bill as well it's just being able to navigate everything and orchestrate it all.
1: Bill and Bill, what's it been like playing with Bill? Is he? A big, uh-huh. I, I'm not going to ask. You, was he a bigger jerk as a coach? <laughs> as a but,
0: that's
3: I mean, all I remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a, you know, I mean, seriously, Nothing. I, we know that you love him, yeah. but but I mean, is, what's the I guess the, the delicate question. I mean, what's it been like playing? Because as a player, Bill was yeah. tough, man. I mean, was, I mean, some yeah. people say he was, you know. But what's it been like? He's I mean,
2: not was, for the mentally weak at all. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be really tough. Wilmer
1: is, right? He's not from <laughs> floor Florida. No.
2: He's really, really, really tough. And mm. but at the same time he's he's got a sensitivity that I never realized either. Mm. Um but he just, you know, he, he really brings his experience, you know, that he had and it's very nice to have a coach that you know has been through it and has won a championship and knows what it takes. Um but yeah, he's he's really tough. He's honest. It's ref- he's refreshingly honest. Mm. You know, you're never gonna have to worry about him shortcutting, or, <laughs> you know, he, he just kind of gives it to you straight, and um, I think that benefits us, because, you know, we're tough women.
1: Mm, you are. We
2: tough. can take it, yeah.
1: What, what? You know, how has Epiphany Prince, A, affected the team, and then affected everybody's playing time? I don't know how we start yeah. first, playing yeah. time with team, but but yeah. how was how how Epiphany, for, for those of you who don't know it, um, in fact, my daughter played against Epiphany Prince oh, once wow. in college. Well they they beat them by like 100 my like, <laughs> daughter went to hunter you know hunter uh, high elementary and they're, you know they are not trying to play basketball and of course epiphany played for um what was it, the, the um what's the name of school um uh, murray, Bertram. Bertram. murray Bertram. and of yeah. course they are beating everybody 115 yeah. and in fact she scored 113 points in The yeah. game once. Then she went to rutgers and all that uh, what has she meant to the team and, and it practically has that affected you in terms of playing time
2: yes well you know playing time is this that's one of the things I think you know one of the toughest things on this team is that we have with the exception of one just one, just one player everybody on the team has started has started it's been a starter so you know just kind of diving the playing time it really is depending on who's hot who's doing that and it's really kind of a good problem to have yeah. but I would say epiphany coming back has really kind of brought us to this this greater level this higher mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. Epiphany is hands down one of the most talented players that I've ever watched witnessed and you know she bring what she brings though is the spirit of new york basketball mm. she mm. really knows you know what it what it means mm. to play on this stage specifically in this state you know in this city and um you know but in terms of for me it's like i we really kind of jailed like i love playing with epiphany mm. and um it hasn't really you know in terms of playing time you know that that it, it, it kind of shifts with like i said with the direction of how the game's going but on the court, you know, is, is we're starting to get it. We're starting to gel together. We're starting to understand what we each other like. And we're a brand-new team. So mm. can you imagine, you know, once we get all that stuff, you know, once time kind of is on our side, we're, we're going to be really dangerous.
1: What, what do you think it would mean for the WNBA? You can't really talk about the WNBA. I mean, you know, you always have to talk about where the league is going, women's sports. No, you just not like the NBA, and you can just talk about ball. Here, we're, there's a larger thing just in terms of um, women's sports taking off, professional sports in New York. And I, I got to think that if if you guys win the championship, even get to the championship, that's particularly in New York, that's going to make such a big deal. But what, what do you think it means um, for you guys if you guys were to really take off and continue to head in the direction you're headed in terms of?
2: I honestly think that it could it could you know revolutionize. I mean, it's going to change the way the world sees the WNBA. You know, the, New York has n- they've never won a championship. They've came so close, and even you know t- to me, and we know that too. We're very much aware of the fact that this is this is a huge opportunity that we have. There's a long path to the championship, mm-hmm. but just speaking on my experience was I won a championship in 2011 in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and that was the first championship. And mm-hmm. just seeing what it's done just to Minnesota, having you know th- probably more people come out to the Lynx games now than the Timberwolves, <laughs> right. which is it's insane. <laughs> right. You know, That's there's great. it's yeah. it's almost like they're on the same level now. And but to, to and it, it was so great to be a part of that first. Championship because you know it's it's having something that you've never done before, but mm. to bring that to New York, mm. the mm. biggest market in the world. I mean, we've got a huge opportunity in our hands, and we do not take that lightly. We do understand that, and we are determined to make it happen. Because I mean, it it, it would change. It would change everything.
1: Well, what do you do? You think there's always been this? You know, I was telling, I was having this debate with an editor because a lot of people covered opening day because of Isaiah Thomas you know (laughs) know what I'm saying it was like it was an issue I said well okay it's one thing to cover stuff as an issue but let's cover ball right let's just cover the ball I mean you know because the day that the opening day everybody was there you had people picketing and demonstrating then like the next game it was like half the media was there I said no you either including some of the women you're either going to cover it like sports or don't cover it you know at all.
2: Absolutely and I I also because I was watching that kind of from you know just and just watching from the sidelines and you know I was just like you know I wish that people the concern that they had was a little bit more you know genuine if they have concern for us it's like follow us think talk about us you know and but at the same time I think we've been able to really leverage that attention that we've been getting to convert it to positive energy and positive attention and that's really just been our focus and um you know i'm I, we're aware that the what the how society you know they just kind of how they view us so mm-hmm. we're we're you know it, it, the, the people know people can see us how,
3: how how do you think they view you? I mean, you mentioned you're aware of it. What do you think the perception is?
2: well, all you have to do is just kind of you know read what's out there. oh, you know, women's basketball. they love comparing it to men's basketball. Which is the, a yeah, the product, oh, it's because we're not doing you know x y and z like the men are it's just the values shifted and um you know they they compare i think you know the 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 nature of the men's sport compared to the women's sport and they just immediately you know and and i think that but at the same time for me personally i've played with so many guys that are in the nba right now played Mm. against them it's like you know you can't really you can't really fault society for the way that they perceive it, but those people, most of the people that talk about us, they've right. never even been to a game. They've You're never right. even seen us. Right. They have nothing to compare it to. Right. There's been so many times, there's been many a guy that right. have tried to challenge me <laughs> one-on-one. I just absolutely <laughs> just embarrass going. them, right. they have humiliate no idea. them. Yeah. You know, it's right. like they don't really <laughs> understand. You know, the skill set is still uh. there, and the strategies actually, I would say, arguably probably more intense in the women's game than it is in the men's game right and it's just you know it's just a bias that they have but i honestly think that there's a revolution happening Mm. i can feel it i can sense it and we just have to keep being patient
3: and we've talked about it right we've talked about you know comparing especially comparing the women's game to the men's game but it's just like you can't compare the college basketball game to the nba game it's the same thing and you know so it doesn't make any sense you know, you appreciate the game for what it is, each game.
1: You know, the, the epiphany I had. Not, not, well, the epiphany. <laughs> yeah. But was, you know, I was watching the game because I think that you could all get sucked into, you know, comparing, comparing. Yes. But then when you look at competition, and that's how I was looking at just people competing, mm-hmm. you know, tight game, people competing. If you look at competition and a great game, that's really all you're looking at. Are people competing? What's the level? Of competition, right. and, and uh, it's funny. I had such an epiphany about it. I said, "Wow, man, th- these people are competing. Uh-huh. They're like tough, and it's competing." And then, excuse me, I was also wondering, it's political too. Because if you're a woman, or if you know you got daughters, you got to bring them to the game. You can't. You, you You cannot. You must come to the game, and it is sort of a political, social. Thing, but you must come to the games if you got a daughter or, 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 or a son or whatever. A, the music is better. <laughs> <laughs> Not the music is much hipper. Yeah. But you have uh-huh. to come. You have to bring. You have to come to the game. You know. You, that, you that, have
2: to. Yes, and that was the greatest thing about the WNBA. When i remember, I was ten years old when the WNBA started. Wow. So I remember. Everything and I was just waiting for it to happen, and I just would. And and it's the thing about the experience of going to the game and, and seeing it for yourself it's, I mean, it'll change the course of your life. Another cool thing about the WNBA, too, is, like, I always loved how there was kind of this path built in. And I wouldn't, you know, I was never sure if I was going to be able to make it to the WNBA as a kid. But I always knew that if I kept trying, I would fall short and go to college and get, get a scholarship or fall short and still be, you know, have a great experience in high school. Or, you know, it was just it's that motivation of just like reaching a goal. And that's an important lesson for anybody, male, female. It doesn't even matter, you know, that transcends gender, race. All that class, mm-hmm. you know. No matter where you fr- from, you know, just accomplishing your goal. But even if you fall short, you fall short going on the right track. What did
1: you? You weren't. Let's see. How many? Let's see. You won championships at Stanford. I mean, so you were.
2: No, I never yeah. did. We made it to the finals my senior year. We ended up losing mm-hmm. to that Tennessee. Was the class. You were the class. It didn't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. yeah. And and we um, we lost to to Tennessee in the finals. All right,
1: but each. So so your first year, been four years old. Um, How far was it your first year? You got how far second year, third year, fourth year?
2: First year, year, I would always fall short. First year we went to the Elite Eight, we lost to get to the Final Four. The second year we lost in the Elite Eight to LSU, but we got absolutely cheated it's probably the most controversial call in college basketball you should look it up they Mm -hmm. called a charge on me with simone Mm -hmm. augustus um probably the first charge she ever took (laughs) and (laughs) no i'm just kidding no you gotta look it up though it was you Mm -hmm. please look it up it was we should have made it to the final four that year but we lost i kicked it out to my teammate she hit the three so we technically won in my mind we went to the final four that year Mm And then um, my my um, junior year, very big disappointing year. We lost in the second round at home, which completely drove me to my senior year, mm. where we went to the final four. So, um, a lot of kind of ups and downs. Almost there, not quite. Mm. But it's really tough, you know, getting like a, a school like Stanford, where it's the winning the championship is getting accepted. I right. mean, you right. get accepted to that school, and you just feel like you've won the lottery. Exactly. Well, where else yeah. could you have gone? Well, my second choice was Duke, and then the third was UCLA, mm-hmm. um, and so it was really kind of between Duke and Stanford, but like I said, once you, you get in, you get accepted, like that was more of the process, and it, it's, it's you know, that's something that I don't think people really understand about about the experience at Stanford, it's so much more than just basketball.
3: Right, and you obviously, with those schools, you had academics in mind.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and um, you know I was kind of like my mother always was was just telling me like even in the 90s when Stanford was going on those Final Four runs, she was just like so focused on our education, and that was always like the central part of my life because I never really knew where basketball would take me. I never really knew the future. I would always be reading constantly and hearing all this stuff about how the WNBA isn't going to last, it's going to fold, it's going to fold. And when you're a girl, you know, and you have these dreams that you're clinging onto to play in the WNBA everyone's just telling you it's mm. going to fold, it's going to disappear, nobody's interested in it. It kind of just, you know, it creates in your mind, okay, well, who else am I besides a basketball player? If it does fold, who am I? Mm. You know, what am I going to do with my life? And I just always kind of felt like education was the way for me to go. So that mm. was like my motivation for that.
1: Mm. You know, two, two, two things, well, actually three things I want to talk to you about because um, you do have DNA, pro pro DNA genes. Mm-hmm. Your dad, I want to talk yeah. to you about your dad and because yeah. I, I mean, Alan Wiggins was tremendous. I mean, I remember that kind of gets back into my day with Alan yeah. Wiggins, who's, you know, your dad's a great, great infielder. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, we want to talk about him and some of the issues that yes. that you're um, fighting on on his behalf. Yes. But uh, before we get to that, just to end the basketball part of this, you also play in Europe, and yes. I always wonder what what that experience is like, because that's sort of a phenomenon. The NBA players don't. I mean, they either play in the NBA, don't unless. But anyway, but what's yeah. that? What's that been like? Your your, your team. Talk about your team. And it's in Turkey, right?
2: I played in four teams. I played wow. in four countries. I played right. in Spain, and then I played in Greece, then Turkey, and then right. Israel. That's right. That's right. So I ran the whole gamut in right. every type of you know. Uh, and you you live there for about six months. You are completely embedded into the culture. You, it's it. You're a professional in another country. It's 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 incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, it's different. Um, there is, you know, certain places depending on where you play, you mm-hmm. know, and you just kind of have to, yeah, just be very. You learn how to be patient. You learn a lot of things. You know, you're on your own, basically. What was your first? Uh, your, your first team? Your first Spain. Team. I was in oh. Spain. Yes. So that's, a,
1: that's a nice transition, right? Very nice, and it was <laughs> Valencia
2: too. So <laughs> I grew up in San Diego, so it rem- mm-hmm. reminded me a lot. I'm a location person, so I always tell my agent. You tell
1: by your You can't see it here. Uh, uh Candace has as green kind of what could you describe Statue of
2: Liberty mint inspired ah. uh, yeah i just i visited the statue of liberty for the first time and i was like oh uh, so that's, i so got to get some is of that the this, this yes is, I see. So what would
1: happen if you would visit? No. (laughs) So anyway, so yeah. so Valencia was your first...
2: Yeah, and I'm a location person. So every country I played in, I played in Valencia, Spain. I played in Athens, Greece, Hmm. Istanbul, Turkey, and then Ashdod, Israel. Hmm. So all those countries, with the exception of Istanbul, were very, you know, um, very good weather. I I really responded that I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go in the trenches of Russia. Hmm. I'd rather not play in a communist country like Hmm. China or Russia or you know, I just, it's very important that, you know, the culture means something to me because if I'm playing in a country, especially when you're playing in Europe, like throughout Europe, you really want to represent the, you know, the country that means something. Um, So, you know, Spain was, it's very interesting too because all these different countries have played and all had like, you know, different religions, you know, that, that their country was the foundation of and um, but yeah so we in Greece was probably the most impactful country because we ended up playing Europe we won the European championship mm. and we beat like three Russian teams to get that it was it was probably the first and only time Greece will ever do that and yeah just you start course. you start to feel like you're a part of their country was that, you that know? was your
1: first championship
2: ever of, of anything yes the one at, professional in, in Greece yes mm. and um that was that was major how
1: did that make you how, how did winning a championship I mean no the way it was how did that make you feel I man what does that do for one sense of self one sense of confidence one sense of mission you know
2: well when you it's it, you know it's the way that you do it too you know because there's way, there's different ways to win you can win in a way that's not you know not you're not exactly proud or there's ways that you win and it's just it's just most fulfilling mm-hmm. sense in the world and i would say in greece winning that was so fulfilling because like i said you're playing for a country that just deserves to be on the top, and yeah. winning does so much yeah. to a culture, and that was, you know, probably the the best part of it. Just, um, you know, uh, the people, the the you know the the impact. I remember after we won the the championship in Greece, it was like I didn't realize how big of a deal it was. We were the People Magazine in Greece. Mm. Greek People Magazine did this huge feature, five-page spread, you know, in the magazine. I'm wow. looking as the day I'm leaving the country. I'm like, I'm in People Magazine. This is crazy, <laughs> you know. And it's they—they've said, you know, even to this day, and, and unfortunately, the with the financial crisis they've been in, it's like they hold on to that. People mm. hold y'all, on. Y'all, to that.
1: y'all took all the money.
2: They don't. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And Josh Childress was there too at the time too. Uh, so I think between him. No and money left. Yeah, we might have <laughs> taken that. Yeah.
3: How's so so how would you compare the fanfare overseas? And the, I mean, right. I'm, I'm sure it's different in different places. Yes. But how would you compare it? I guess as a whole to the WNBA or even right, college?
2: Right. It's different. You know, in other countries, they are so. You know, they, especially as being an, an like an American foreigner coming into the country, you really do become like like Kobe Bryant to these people. Mm. Like they they haven't they they just so much love America. They mm. so much you know want. A part of that, so they're a lot more like loving. They're they, you know that like after games. I remember in Israel, after every game, we'd go into the stands and we, or you know, we'd say hi to everybody, and you know, you'd have a fan grab you and just start kissing Mm. you, like literally just kissing your face, and you're Mm. like, wow. (laughs) And I would say that in America, it's a little bit different, you know, but. You know, it's just it's it's kind of all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for me, I think the you know the way that I play, people just can identify with passion, and they and they love it. They love it. They don't. I would say that you don't get as much. You know, I, I, I just the culture is different in America. It, the it, way they treat women's sports.
1: Are, yeah, well, that's, I was going to ask you: Do you find it's more accepting overseas? I don't know if accepting is the right word, but just work with me. I mean, is, is yeah. It, yeah.
2: Well, I think the respect is different. Okay, they don't have the same kind of, you know, I think in America, there are just everyone's always thinking. I think the, the idea of five women, strong women on one team versus five women on a strong on learned team can be kind of an intimidating thing for for people especially men in america Mm -hmm. it's just like it's very but i think in in overseas it's just something that is admired they Mm. really just respect it and they don't they don't have the same kind of hang-ups that i think that a lot of um you know people do but at the same time you know it's it you know it, it basketball is is it's you know in a the tradition in America is so much stronger than it is in other places. So there's nothing like playing at home. And mm-hmm. this isn't to knock, you know, America versus other countries, but it's just different. You know, it's a different type of treatment you get. Um, but then again, it's also much smaller in other countries.
1: Would you Would you look forward to the day that you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't have to go back and forth? Or do you like the idea of, you know, playing in the United States and then playing overseas?
2: Well, it's it's twofold. I, I absolutely love the, the fact that we have the opportunity to do that. I think it is special and unique. I think it's something to be, you know, um, aspire after. But then at the same time, we it's very bad on our bodies. And I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing that I have to right. say. But the difference between women and men is that our bodies are not necessarily engineered to be playing at, the, at this level. You know, if you think about just the difference between men and women, you know, we were designed and engineered to, you know, have children, and, you know, we're we're, we're our bodies are just genetically different. So I think that it becomes taxing on that, and that's when you kind of see the difference, when you see more injuries in the women's sport than you do in the men's sport. And I think that has a lot to do with it, just the pounding, pounding, and pounding. Um, I wish that there was a way that, you know, that wasn't, but, you know, it's just, it is what it is. So you- and I don't, I don't know. I see th- it's... it's so, you
3: don't have a, basically, you don't have an off season.
2: No, you don't. And so, from you know, and it got to the point where I wouldn't, I wouldn't saw it uh, about five years ago. I wouldn't saw my doctors at Stanford, and they were just basically like, you have a choice. You can either have a short career and keep doing what you're doing, or you can start resting and, and deciding to, to make your career longer by taking breaks. So, I've learned how to kind of, you know, um, uh, I've learned how to rest my body, but some people, you know, financially, it's just so hard to turn that down, especially with some of the numbers that yeah. my colleagues are making like overseas Tracey, what do you think of uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, that, that's she's sort of the uh the symbol of it. Yes. What you think of, of her saying, "Listen, I'm, I got to stay over
2: here." Yeah, I mean, over those there. are those are just financial decisions that you know you have to make. You have to think about, you know, and 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 that I'm sure it was tough for her. You know, I know Diana pretty well. I know that she she just loves to play, but she has to make a choice. It's a crossroads, mm-hmm. and um, you know, she made the choice for her that she she felt was necessary for for herself. You know, and um, I think that it's a process. I personally, there's no. Higher honor in my opinion than to play in your in in this country. Um, but there's you have to sacrifice. You can't really have it all in in this women's basketball world.
0: Mm. You're listening to Bill Roden on Sports.
2: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities, talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
0: Taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports.
1: Uh, let me tell tell me uh, about about your dad and the work you're doing. Like I said, Alan Wiggins was a just tremendous, yet uh, all the talent in the world. Um, you know, he died much, much, much. I mean, he was a baby when he died. Yeah. Like Thirty two. Thirty two when he died. Yeah. Just a baby. I remember even thinking of those times how just tragic it was. And even when I was going over it today, I was thinking, you know, if he would have gone through those issues today, there's so much help. in place that that back then it was just you know um, it it was just we didn't know how to deal with addictions things like that but talk about uh, I hate that when people say talk about they ask the questions they talk about but um, what impact although you were so young when your your dad died but um, tell me what you've been doing on his behalf how how he's affected you and affected things that you're that you're doing
2: well you know with that I just remember, like, my first memories of my dad were at the end of his life, and I always say that my life began where his, when his ended. So I was able to see, you know, I, I didn't really know my dad to be this great, you know, athlete, World Series, you know, whatever. I really just, you know, saw him, when I remember at his funeral, laying in his casket, it was like game over. So I kind of had to start from that, you know, and just really understand how he got there. But so for me, it's, it's really taken a long time because... For a long time, I'm really ashamed to admit this, but I have to be honest. I really judged him badly growing up. I really kind of just saw him as the bad guy, saw him as what not to be, just didn't want to talk about it ever, didn't want to mention it, didn't even want to think about it, didn't even want to even associate myself with him. I was almost, you know, embarrassed that we had the same name. And it wasn't until I started, um, you know, just... just it, it took a while. It took until about high school mm. for me when when I started becoming, you know, uh, people started asking me questions about it, and I had to kind of address it. And but I, what I have, so so then when when you got when you get, you know, the media asking me questions and stuff, and I'm finally facing this, you know, and it, for me it was like, you know, I saw how much different how different the world was 20 years ago when he died to now. So then I started kind of like, okay, let me let me start, you know, not judging him so harshly. Let me start learning about this. Um, you know, I started engaging in like AIDS walks and stuff like that and just kind of slowly starting to because I understand how society feels about issues so like he, HIV he and AIDS. AIDS. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't yes. say that he died of uh, HIV uh, and AIDS because it was such a tough thing for it, it was it was easier to say like a a curse word. Right than it was to say AIDS. Right. Like AIDS was harder to say than the F word right. back then. Right. Like I really just didn't even want to even mention it. So when I finally got to the point where I could say AIDS and I could say, okay, this is what happened, you know? And then, and I remember even when I was a kid, I, I read it, articles in the Reader's Digest, you know? They Dared Cocaine and Lost is one of the titles. And so once I started slowly probing into, into his life and understanding, it, it became easier. Then, you know, it's like I, when I got to Stanford, it just the profile, kind of just my profile kept raising And people were always reminding me about my father And then I started kind of you know, not being so negative towards him And then, you know, um, I would say up until recently And like when I was living in Turkey I was in, in Istanbul And I was just kind of really, you know, alone I was just feeling And I saw, I finally just decided to read my dad's obituary And in the LA Times And it was Alan Wiggins, um, A Troubled Life, A Lonely Death And I read the obituary and I was just in tears like, oh, my gosh, I just was like this, you know, and I just my compassion for him and just increased rapidly. And then I realized that with my experience in my 20 years and, you know, of, of seeing this, seeing how it's changed, and how it's shifted and how everybody, you know, how it's a different world we're in. I just have I'm overwhelmed with compassion. So I think that that is my, the the strength that I can bring to things like AIDS and HIV awareness and activism is just that compassion and that level of understanding, but also understanding that these are sensitive issues we're talking about. And so you just have to be really delicate and understand that each life is so valuable. So it, it's, it's been, you know, um, kind of where to start for me. You know, it, it's been a long journey. It's, I, I think that I've been, kind of blessed and cursed in the same time because the, the you know, there there's so much that I, you know, can share that of courage that, you know, I want to give. So, you know, for, for me, last year I played in uh, the Sparks yeah. with uh, and Magic Johnson had bought the yeah, team exactly. last year. Right. So I remember you know, that was a big reason why I decided to sign with the Sparks because I just wanted to, to talk to Magic because that's really what got our our my family to start playing basketball. When Magic made his announcement, hmm. the next day, my mom signed all three of us up for basketball. We became a baseball family to basketball family overnight. So I just kind of just figuring out where to go next, you know, and, and I've learned my voice and my face, but just kind of trying to figure it out. And um, so when I, I reached out with the Magic Johnson Foundation, finally got a chance to meet him. And, um, you know, they steered me to the Iris House here in in Harlem, in New York City. So I've just been, you know, kind of slowly just trying to get out there. But, you know, the thing for me is this is a lifelong thing. This isn't just, you know, it's a process. Is
1: is, is AIDS still, you know what I'm saying, 20 years ago and AIDS AIDS was like a scourge and we can't talk about it. Where is it now? Because, you you know, diseases fall in and out of favor. Yeah, you know, and where is it now in terms of um, uh, uh, how many lives it's taking? Would have been the would have been the advances. I mean, sort of where is it on the?
2: Well, I would say right now it's a lot more focused. It's more HIV. You know, there's a the rates of HIV are increasing. I mean, there was um, documentaries mm-hmm. done, um, you know, a couple of years ago, and that. You know, the, the rates of HIV infections, even in Washington, D.C., rival some African countries. Right. And I think that it's really prevalent in the African-American community. And um, that's where, you know, because it used to be, back then it used to be a drug user's uh, disease and a homosexual disease, you know, and um, homosexual men contracting it. But now it's kind of shifted into you know, into all different, you know, um, identities now. And I think it's just because of the stigma associated with it. People are just not aware of their of their health and their status. And um, there's a lot of neglect coming, you know. So I I would say that, you know, in terms of AIDS, like, you know, you it, it starts HIV, you know, becomes AIDS. But there's a lot of people who are living very healthy, wonderful lives with HIV. And I think that's the biggest thing is that you know people are are not aware of that.
1: Mm. What um, sort of the one of the last things you need to come back because yeah. we just now you scratched the surface. Yeah. But what um, uh, you know we're talking about the world, the women's world cup, yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. What impact has has that that the totality of all of that had just on this acceptance this this yeah. thing that we're trying to smash here, this yes. perception, men being intimidated by strong women, uh, women maybe not embracing their own yeah. strength. Do you think what space do you think we're in now? Uh, how close do you think we are to just smashing these?
2: Oh, well, I'm just know? saying, trailblazer after trailblazer, you know, and and women just being fearless, courageous, and it's a revolution right now. I think that it's it's it just takes time it takes you know but you look at the women's world cup you look at you know even you know we had a Becky Hammond night last night yeah, you right. look at what that's she's right. been doing and what the thing is is that women just need opportunities mm-hmm. you give women opportunities if, as long as as society gives women opportunities to succeed they will show you they will they will they will own up to those opportunities and they will make the most out of it so I think that it's just it. it's it really is a matter of of Having the opportunities there, and um, it's it's incredible. There's a, there's a revolution happening, you know. I, I think I love uh, women coming into men's professional sports and showing that they can be, you know, uh, uh, forces. They can be teachers. They can be, you know. And, and I I love the direction it's going.
1: Do you think the fact that and we spoke about this briefly that the fact that the NBA is becoming increasingly more more dominated by black women, uh, you talk about that could have an interesting. Perception issue, but what what do you what do you think about that? How that's going to how how that plays into the acceptance of, of the sport?
2: Well, I just think you know people people if they can see they can identify. It's there's so many things that are based off of your race or your gender that people see, but there's so much that you, what you don't see. Right. It's what you don't see that is what everyone can identify with and feel. So I think when you start seeing more black women, you start you you start to not you don't just see them as a woman or a black female, you know you don't see them as their race or their or their gender. You see them for the spirit that they possess. And I think once people start seeing those things, they start identifying with the things that maybe you cannot see to, with the eye. Mm-hmm. And you, st- it just gives respect. It gives birth to the idea of respecting and and appreciating, and that's where you get the connection. And it's the, the spirit of competition. It's the spirit of winning. It's the spirit of you know, engaging in culture. And um, so I, that's what I'm excited about because that's what I, going back to my experience overseas. People stop seeing you as a woman, as a black woman. They start seeing you as, you know, something that they can identify mm. with—being a winner, being strong, mm. you know, being competitive. And it's crazy how once you get those eye, past those eyes, and you get past the physical eyes, and you start seeing with their spiritual eyes, mm. it's like everybody just becomes one, and it unifies.
1: What do you think of Brittany Griner? I, I, I mean, that question was probably about twenty minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, seriously, not you know, not Brittany and the the, the, the thing that happened with um. The marriage, and then the, the norm and all that. Does that, when you're in the league, do you think, oh my god, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's just life. But you know, again, we're looking at this male prism. Oh, there they go. You yeah. uh, know. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, had that happened in the NBA, it would have been a scandal. I mean, it would not happen. I mean, it would happen. But what's your, as as somebody who's in the league, in the player, all the the politics that are at play. What's your sense when, when all that unfolded?
2: Oh, well. You know, it's it's tough because I think the the problem with that situation is is more of like, you know, the social media. I think that really plays to that because that was one of those things where it kind of just it's the power of the internet. It just kind of spread like wildfire. And I think that if they could all go back in time, Brittany and both Glory and I know Glory very well. I played a season with her in in, in Tulsa. You know it's like you want you you know you want to respect people's privacy and and you especially when when you know the altercation that came out at first and you just really you know there's this public life we have and then there's this private life and I just think that you know unfortunately for them it got kind of scrambled and mixed and the whole world was kind of looking into a very private time for them.
1: Does it does it does that help or hurt? And and it's unfair to even deal with. It? In other words, that happens in the NBA or in the NFL. You know, a guy beats up his wife yeah. or whatever, and it's a fine, and he's gone. Here, it's like it's something. It's something else. Should it be something else? Um, is it fair? Is, is
2: well, it was interesting when it first happened. I was like, you know, when you just kind of see the 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 reaction, you're like, oh goodness. I hope people don't don't you know. Re- this is, our, this is really the only time that people really were even thinking about the WNBA right. as a whole. Right. And I hope yeah. they don't think this is like a, a sideshow. You know, they don't think of our league and they start respecting it. But then this interesting thing happened as the season progressed. It's like once that kind of died down, people started. I don't. and I don't, It's hard to tell. It's almost like this imperceptible shift. But I think it's ended up becoming a positive thing for us and getting people interested or talking about it, you know, they, they, you know, so Uh, I, I would say that actually, I mean, that's up for you guys. I would love to hear what you guys think about it. Yeah, I actually think
3: in a way it's a positive, not just for the league, but in general, in terms of society accepting these type of things, I think, you know, after a while becomes, you know, these relationships do exist, so what, you know? But I also wanted to ask you a question about, you had mentioned getting past the whole physical aspect of women being physical, but is not it partly embracing that at the same time, I mean, you have women like. There's a debate now. Women like Serena Williams yeah. and Ronda Rousey, and whether they're uh, attractive or not, or whether they're not feminine enough. What do you make of that whole debate?
2: <sighs> it's really tough. You know, it's so tough to 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 do that because when you're when you're a female and you're playing a sport, you're not necessarily thinking. You're putting your first, like Serena's first idea. I'm sure is. About winning, you know, she she comes to the sport. She didn't sign up for tennis to become this quote unquote sex symbol or to be that. I didn't sign up for basketball to be judged by my appearance. I came to be, you know, appreciated and and judged by the way I play the sport. So when you separate those two things, it's always going to be a dicey mix because it's like, at what point do you do you separate the two? And at the same time, you know, y- you want to embrace that, but you also the, the the greatest compliment you can give to a female athlete is 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 praising her for her talent because it's the talent that really separates you know what I'm saying so you know i i don't i don't really know i it's 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 tough for me i personally you know i'm very proud to be you know to be a woman i, I think that it's it you know i don't you know but at the same time it's it's not it's not what we what we play the sport for. It's not like, it's not like we're like trying to be models and being judged by the way we look. We're not mm-hmm. being. It's not that kind of environment. It's not that kind of you know right. thing.
1: Our guest is uh, the wonderful Candace Wiggins, the uh, star guard of the uh, first place yes. w- WNBA Liberty. Why um, don't you go? Uh, <laughs> prediction. Why uh, do let you go? Just in, in the next few years, what where would you like? What's the what's sort of the next Level the, the next frontier uh, of a of women's basketball in the United States delivery. Uh, where would you uh, like to see this this go? If you could be the emperor of the world, and you would just like to see where 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 do we want to see this go? Where do you see it going?
2: I you know I know this sounds crazy, but I would want this to go almost back in time, back into the beginning stages of the WNBA just when it was so pure and mm. people came to the games and had the greatest experience. I would love to see the stands filled again. Mm. I would love to see that that support because I really think that it was enriching to the culture and society. It was so great, what, the impact that it had on, on all of us. And I would like to see it go back to that. You know, obviously it's a, we're in a different world than we were then, but just, you know, back to, to when we weren't, when it wasn't, we weren't being so judged and compared and it was just kind of appreciated for what it was. And, um, you know, and I just remember that. I remember the first year of the WNBA and um, just getting it back to that.
1: What happened? I mean, how, how did it go back? Or how did it slide? or how, why, how did it not build on it?
2: I'm not exactly sure, you know, what happened. I think people just, you know, for whatever reason it just kind of you know people just stopped investing or stopped seeing it for what it was maybe and um you know it's hard to really say it's hard Mm -hmm. to really say what exactly happened but I just remember a time when when it was it was just such a uh like you know people just came out they were it was it was inspiring it was you know and, and I just um I have hope though, and I and I think that, I know that probably sounds weird, people probably whatever, but I believe that it can get back to that. You know, it's just, I think what happens though is, you hear things, sometimes people, it's like perception is reality, and if people perceive the WMA to be like this or that, it's going to be, but if people could come to the games, if people could come and, and, and see it with their own eyes, and then make the judgment. They will be so surprised by what they see. And like you were saying, bring the daughter, bring the sons, bring, because that is what's important. It's about the future generation. It's about the young girls. I think about my 10 year old self. And I just want, that's what I play for. I really mm-hmm. play for all the 10-year-olds out there. And, yeah. the, and, and that's what's important.
3: And it's good basketball. Yeah, it's it really is. Basketball. I mean, yeah. good passing, good cutting, good shooting. Good, yeah. I mean, real basketball. Yeah.
1: Well, listen, wait, just win. Yes. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah. bottom, bottom line. Hey, listen, uh, my uh, my guest has been Candace Wiggins. it's really been very, very special. This is part one. Yes. We're <laughs> to kind of come back with Part two, uh, maybe that. part three, yes. you know. But thank you so so much uh, taking time out the schedule. It's been wonderful, uh, you know. Lots of love and yes. uh, you know, and of course these guys over here, you know. Jamal, <laughs> thank you. Yes, Brian, thank you. The Thanks, great Bill. Seth Nyman. Thank, thank you, yes. <laughs> and uh, thank you. All right, before you go, before you go, Candice, we have a uh, Brian Delindick, our wine guy, has a gift as a gift for you, for being a, a guest of Bill Roden Sports?
0: Yes, we have a lovely uh, Chardonnay from California. It's from a, a, nice. a friend of mine uh, named <laughs> Seth Kripe. It's called Lola, um, and you're really going to enjoy it. So we like to give our guests a nice bottle of wine so you got a nice one.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Lola.
0: <laughs> Lola. Lola, <Penny>. Lola. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So enjoy.
2: Thank right. you. Okay, thank you. <laughs>